Welcome to the Heal and Expand podcast. I'm your host, Yaro K. Buchans, clinically trained therapist, healing artist, and leadership mentor. In my world, healing is the gateway to expansion and your personal power is gold. Join me on a journey through the holy trinity of healing, psychological, spiritual, and somatic, using a combination of storytelling, psychoeducation, and ancient wisdom, we will excavate and explore what it means and how to heal and expand. Thank you for being here. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Heal and Expand podcast. I have a beautiful guest with me today. Her name is Krista Weber of Femlux Life. And Krista and I met because I did a human design reading with her, which was just so powerful. As as you all know, as I have dove into my human design and learned about my projector three fiveness, it has changed my life. And when I decided to open up my podcast for guests, she was the first person that I wanted to invite on. And here's one of the reasons why, which she does not know this yet. When we did the call, we were talking about how we both love fast cars and we both love EDM. And I just have this vision of she and I driving fast, listening to EDM with like the most gorgeous, expansive view. And I think that it would be like straight out of a like Marvel movie. And I can just see it so clearly. So Krista, welcome. Will you tell us? You are. <laughs> I love that so much, seriously, and I can absolutely see it happening. So let's manifest that. Let's call it. <laughs> so I am the founder of Femlux Life Co., a mentorship platform supporting clients in everything from the feminine and masculine energetics, wealth embodiment, spiritual alignment, building a life and business so good that it makes no sense, and yet it makes all of the sense, grounded in personal power and the knowledge that we are all limitless beings coded with purpose and ability for international impact. This mm -hmm. is what Femlux Life is. Yes. And and it's it's the work that I do. It I mean, I'm so excited for this conversation, but to see women live in freedom and live their full agency. And there's such a beauty in this. And I know we're going to talk a lot about this, but there's such a surrender that happens. Like there's there's the there's the desire to go for power freedom, success, more money, that can be a trauma response. Oftentimes it is. I have to protect myself because I was not protected. And yep. so this can be success driven from a very masculine place. And I love that so much. I'm all for like the sword and the shield and the warrior and going <laughs> after it. I love the femme fatale vibes. But the truth is that the actual embodied femme who can really have it all and hold it all, she actually trusts so much. And she actually surrenders so much and she actually allows so much because she does not doubt. And so this, this is like the whole process of the whole journey. It's, it's all about this embodiment and there are so many pieces and steps along the way. And just watching women evolve in this over the years, it's, it's just, this is the work of my life. And, and you're a part of that, Yaro, so I'm so happy to be here with you. Yeah, and I, I feel that so deeply. My tagline is feel safe to just be and receive. That's like my whole tagline for Yar Okay. It's what yeah. I started with. It was like, oh, I was in, living in New York City and I was witnessing women and men, but a lot of women just so rigid, so stuck in their overdoing, overachieving, perfectionism, not able to surrender. And then having this horrible narrative around men 
And then there's this power struggle and we're not able to create like connected relationship because women don't know how to surrender. Men don't know how to surrender and we don't know how to trust. And so we're rigidly holding on all the time. So I am so excited for this conversation. Krista and I are going to dive into trust, surrender, and how you are infinitely protected at all times when you have faith. And when we decided to do this podcast episode, something had happened to Krista and we were in the DMs and we were talking about being protected. We were talking about faith and I was like, this is what we should talk about because this Mm -hmm. is conversation is so invaluable for everyone. And I know Krista and I have both been on our own journey with feeling safe to fully surrender, to have faith, to trust that everything is happening for us. And we're going to talk extensively about how those darkest moments are the ones when you go, how is this happening for me? And so let's kick it off with what was your first experience with faith and how is faith and trust treated in your childhood? Okay. This is, this is such a good question. And it's actually, so faith and trust in my childhood goes back my whole life. So my dad was a preacher when I was born. So I was raised in a faith filled household, which is not to say that it was perfect by any means because nobody's perfect. We're all human. Um, and so much of the journey was tumultuous, but as we were talking about before, I wouldn't be who I am now, doing what I am now, if not for the tumultuous times. Um, but I have a very vivid memory of the car wouldn't start, my dad had to get to an appointment, he was in sales, it was very stressful, we didn't have a lot of money in the household, I was four years old, going along with him to this appointment, the car broke down on the side of the road, and I remember he was in tears, like he was so stressed, he was in tears. I was really little, but I remember this four years old. And I'm like, daddy, just start the car. Just pray and start the car, daddy. And then he just looked at me and I vividly remember this. And he just looked at me and he kind of laughed (laughs) and he started the car and the car started. Wow. (laughs) And we were were stranded for a while, but I was like, daddy, it's so simple. Just pray and, and God will help start the car just start the car. And so my faith was very much encouraged by my family. It was very supported by my family. I could find lost things. Like I've, I've always been indomitable. I just don't accept it's hard. I don't want to say it's hard for me to accept. No, but sometimes I just know that there's another way, which is why I'm an extraordinary problem solver with my clients. And this is very faith-based, but I'm just like, why should we like God wants us to live well. We're here to live in abundance. We're here to live in overflow. We're here to be a lighthouse of love and peace. So why should we necessarily suffer? Like sometimes we suffer and then we do have to surrender to it. But it's like, if we can lean on that faith, then why not? And so I, I was very fortunate that that was supported and it was something that was openly celebrated and talked about in my household. That's beautiful. And what a powerful story. And I can just see like, I, you have that energy about you where you're just like, I can do anything. Like I have this powerful ability that I can just create. Please remind us of your human design. I would love to know your energy type and your lines. Yeah, so I, I'm a manifesting generator one, four. Okay. So omniscient teach. <laughs> so for those, for those with a three in the profile. So my husband is a three, five, you're a three, five projector okay. as well. Um, we are the three is like learning the lessons by experience getting the bumps the bruises the scratches like getting your hands dirty benefit of the three human lie detector you know because you've been there you have the receipts you lived it you have the pictures so people can't fool you so there's a lot of benefit to the three the four line is like i love to interact i love to network i love to socialize 
but I'm just gonna kind of like watch. I'm gonna learn from the three and I'm just gonna like watch. <laughs> and then I love to teach and then I just love, so I love to learn, get the data and I love to teach it. Um, I'm an emotional authority and I have a lot of open centers. So All right. I, my only defined centers are my sacral, my solar plexus and my throat manifesting generator. So otherwise it's open. And, and that's interesting because I take in a lot of intuition. I take in a lot of data, like energetic data and otherwise. I can be very influenced by those around me, by the spaces that I'm in with all of these open centers. So boundaries have been critical for me. Yeah. Self-knowledge has been critical for me. Me staying grounded in my inner compass has been critical for me. And just constantly checking in and being like, is this a yes? Is this a no? Does this feel good for me? Does it not? How does this align with my long-term visions? How does it not? And it's it's okay. So it's it's an interesting thing. All the, all of those open centers is quite an interesting thing. Yeah, I'm on the opposite. I only have three open centers. The rest are all. Oh. <laughs> so which ones are yours? So then the throat, I guess. Um, I have everything closed until sacral, root, and emotional. Those ones are open. Uh, okay. Everything closed. Okay, that's interesting. So yeah. resting for you, you have to, that's probably been something. And I know we did our human design reading, but that was like 11 months ago or something. I don't know. Oh my gosh, it, it was. Yeah. I believe that. But, but so like, but grounding yourself and knowing like your pace is the right pace is yep. going to be thing for sure. My pace and then not overthinking and knowing that it's, and you told me this in our reading, it's my way. It's supposed to be like my, my voice. It's unique. Like my thoughts are ever, it's supposed to be. So like I launched yesterday uh, the ROK way, a healing method that's free. And so that's perfect. Yeah. I'm so excited for it. So a little bit about human design for you all, but I love (laughs) your faith story is just so beautiful. Like that is so powerful. And I, I love Like I'm actually the opposite. I grew up in the woods and my mom raised me without a religion so that I would find my own. Oh, cool. Very in touch with nature, very in intuition, very connected. I remember when I was nine years old, I asked her if the ocean was God, which I wasn't in a way, right? Like, cause everything is. And, um, I then really became very disconnected from my sense of spirituality when I was a teenager, like very disconnected and was a teenage alcoholic, was drinking a lot. And then I, um, most of those who listen to this podcast, and I may have shared this with you, I'm not sure, but I found my spiritual self on the dance floor of a rave when I was 19. And it was like enlightenment downloaded through me. And then I didn't want to hold it because I was 19 years old. It was like, oh, I see everything and how it's all connected and how we're all one. And then I have to live in the world. And so learning to live in the world with that level of understanding and knowledge has been one of the trickiest things for me because my trauma responses were to be obsessive compulsive, to hold on, to have anxiety, to grip and clutch and like letting go has been such a process. And it is something that I guide my clients through. It's learning to feel safe to just be and receive, right? So it's creating what I call internal safety. So you stop seeking external saving. And when we don't have faith, we can't surrender. And when we can't surrender, we're just constantly holding on. They, this this human ex, human the human process of like attachment is so deep. Like we attach to everything. We attach to people. We attach to beliefs. We attach to ways of being. We attach to ideas. And it's so hard for us to get curious because it threatens our sense of safety. And especially when we feel like we're threatened and our, the threat response can be something so small. It could be like, Oh, that client didn't sign 
or I am going through a breakup, which isn't small. Sometimes you literally feel like you're dying when you're going through a breakup, but if it, in the scheme of life, it will, it's meant to open you up and catalyze you forward in some capacity. And we struggle so hard to have faith and to trust it is all happening for me. Mm-hmm. So I would love to hear what was your first experience of this is all happening for me, even though I feel like I'm going to die right now. Oh gosh, but there are so many. Um, <laughs> Ah, okay, let me think. Um, So many, but a very vivid. So I have actively prayed multiple times in my life, take everything that is not serving me, that isn't for my highest, best good. I have actively asked for that. And we are free will beings. So we do need to give our free will. And we can add the caveat for those who are shaking in their boots, like, you know, you have to do this, you, you're listening to this and you know, God, they're talking to me, like I have to do this. So you are a free will being, you can pray and ask, and this helps with faith and surrender. I ask that my lessons come with grace and I ask to be invisible to those who would do me harm. So those two caveats to add to that surrender concept can give a lot of peace to our human. So that's like, if if your dad's gonna drive, you like fast cars. So like, if you're here with me, I'm gonna drive you really fast on the Autobahn in Germany, but I'm like, don't worry, I'm a really good driver, don't worry, I've got you, da da da. And then there's a caveat, so it's like, okay, we're gonna go really fast, maybe I'm uncomfortable, but she says I'm gonna be safe, so I guess I'm gonna be safe. Helps you to trust. So when I was a teenager, let's go to teenage drama. When I was a teenager, (laughs) um, there was, as I said, there were tumultuous times in my, in my childhood. Um, I got moved around quite a lot. So actually from Canada where I lived down to California and then back up to Canada, had to switch schools a bunch of time, so much drama. Um, there was a time where so many bad things were happening that I, that I literally was like, even just as a teenager, there was just like chaos from every side. I was being really brutally bullied at this new school that I was going to. Um, I was robbed <laughs> by some kids. Teachers didn't even care. Um, there were there were disgusting rumors about me. I was a new girl. Uh, like it was just and like and a whole lot of family things from all sides. And I just felt very 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 alone. And I remember, so I would have been like seventeen or something. And I remember that I just like collapsed on the floor. And I was like, show me my purpose, like, show me the point of this. And I was just in shambles. And I'm like, in two weeks, I want to know what the point is. So I like gave God an ultimatum. Like, I want to know what the point is in two weeks or, you know, I don't know what I'm going to do, but like something drastic, you know? And then literally two weeks later, nothing had changed. Nothing had changed. But I remember I got back into my bedroom. I looked at the calendar and I was like, there's something about this date. And I was like, it's two weeks later. And I like checked with myself, anxiety was gone, fear was gone. I had, nothing had changed, but I had found peace. And then I just remember, I just started to cry and I laid on my bed and I was like, thank you. And then I heard God say in prayer, he said, you're here to be a counselor. That was the word counselor. I'm like counselor. And at the time I was just thinking like high school counselor because that's, I'm like, really and i'm like really and now but the funny thing is that now i look at what i do 
and I can see how much I've lived and I, I do counsel, I am a counselor. I do counsel people with their big feelings, their big problems, their big goals. I do counsel people. So like it was true. So that's one example that I could say, oh my gosh, and there are so many. I was uh, at one point I was going to marry the wrong guy. Mm. Um, I was in my young 20s. It was absolutely a trauma response transference kind of relationship. So he was a he was a bad guy. I take responsibility because, you know, like I take responsibility for what I what I brought putting myself there. And I remember as well. I woke up from a dream and the voice said in my head, you can't marry him. And I was like, what a weird dream. And I started to go back to sleep. I was not even asleep yet. My eyes were still open. And then I heard it again. You can't marry him. And I was awake. It wasn't a dream. And that's when I learned the importance of boundaries. So when I look back and so I left the guy and it was perfect two weeks again, it was easy. It was, it was amazing. So difficult, difficult, difficult. And then finding that path of truth, finding that yes, like with the faith, finding that faith. And then suddenly the path is so easy. And then you look back and you're like, wow, if I didn't learn all of that, who would I be right now? Right. So, so it, it, so it was, it, it's just moments like this where it's been, it was so hard, but then you just are like, wow, that was alchemy. That was alchemy. That was like, sorry to swear, but like that's shit turning into gold. I love, I love swearing. It's my favorite thing, <laughs> but um, that's shit turning into gold. And if it hadn't been for that, like if we want to live big, and if we are here for transformation, if we're here for growth, the nature of growth is uncomfortable. The nature of evolution is uncomfortable. I like to refer to the goo phase, G-O-O, the goo phase of the caterpillar. At one point before the caterpillar becomes a butterfly, it's just goo. And nobody knows what it looks like, it's just goo. So when we're transforming, we, we're gonna be goo at some point. And so then we have to trust the process. There's something on the other side of this goo there has to be, there just has to be. We have to let ourselves be the goo. And that's where I find, especially with my in client work and previously with myself, it's so funny to listen to like a one, four talk and then a three, five, where I'm like, I went through a million trials and errors and held on and did all the crazy dumb things. And I have such empathy for sweet Yaro. She just was like, I've experienced it all. Right. <laughs> I'm like, I held on for so long for so many years. And it's funny how we can like look at that and probably constellate it through our trauma, through our life lessons, through what we're here to teach and learn. So, you know, we have to let ourselves be in the goo phase and people fight that so hard. They're like, no, I have to, their perfectionism comes up their shame. They want to, they, they battle their shame. It's so interesting last night. And I'm going to share more about this, uh, soon, because I'm going to do a program called Daddy Wounds, I realized how much shame I have since I haven't seen my dad since I was two. Oh, I could cry. Oh. I like, like just deep shame around that, that abandonment wound. And I was like, and I've avoided it because I think I'm a magical human. So I'm like, there's no reason for me to make this mean anything about me, but at two years old and three and four and five and six, there's no way that you don't make it mean something about you that you haven't seen your dad for that long. So this is like, taken years to uncover yeah and it's one that's so sneaky and so subtle and you don't know is there and it has caused a lot of holding on and a lot of attaching and it's unconscious like we can't see our blind spots which is why we need mentorship we literally can't see them like mm -hmm. 
need someone. That's a blind spot. Yeah, exactly. Hence the name. Um, <laughs> we need other people to point those out to us. And so, or to be reflected in something, right? Like this was reflected back to me just on what I'm going through currently in my personal life, where I was like, did some deep healing, did some microdosing with mushrooms. And like all of this started to like unravel. And because I have the wisdom I have, because I can hold it, I'm able to see it. I'm able to process it. I'm able to move through it. But what we would do and what, <clears throat> excuse me, I've done in the past is we hold on so tight and we don't let ourselves actually feel the shame and feel the deep, dark pain that needs to be felt. And that comes with surrender. So one thing I would love, Krista, for you to touch on is something that you said that I think is so important for people to hear because I can speak about it till I'm blue in the face, but we need other examples of it. Where you said with that relationship, you take responsibility. Will you touch more on that? I think that's so important for people. Yes, responsibility is freedom. So taking responsibility is freedom. It's freedom from shame. It's freedom from guilt. And I sometimes say this to my clients uh, in shadow work that we do. It's like the so what rule. So what? So? So what? And? And, and if you if you probe it that if you probe it often enough with that, the so what, and then your body will go, yeah, but this, I'm so bad because of this, I'm so bad because of that. Eventually your body will run out of fuel and you'll just be like, yeah, so what? Like eventually you'll agree with that. So taking responsibility, like for this relationship, I had to accept that I had chosen a person who I had I could see reflections of other damaged people in this person, in this individual. I was projecting desires onto this person. Let me fix you. Let me fix this because then I'll be a good girl. And then I won't have had any of that trauma with my dad. And then if I can fix this, <laughs> so then, then I win. And then I'm a good girl. And then none of that bad stuff happened before and I'm pure and I'm untainted and I will win. This is the last lap mm -hmm. of Mario Kart and damn it, I am gonna win. And <laughs> I did that. <laughs> like, so th this wasn't, um, it was emotionally abusive for sure. The word sociopath has been thrown around by the police, not by me as I take a sip of my tea, but he was a bad, he was a bad guy, but um, I chose to be there. There was no, you know, there was no threat to my person. And like, honestly, when it comes to, doing hard things and losing everything. So talk about attachment. Like I lived with this person, like furniture, dishes, a whole household of stuff, cats that I had to adopt because he was not a cat. They did not like him because they can sense evil. Um, but I, I had to leave all of that behind, right? And so the attachment to the things, when push comes to shove, sometimes we'll be put in a situation where we are forced to detach from the things. And then you realize how absolutely free you are. You are not your body. You are not your house. You are not your age. You are not your money. You are not your bank account, right? It's wild, but taking responsibility, I had to say, okay, I chose this person. I actively engaged in this relationship. I chose to stay for as long as I did. I chose to repeat the patterns, the same fights, the same things that were happening. I chose to do that. Friends tried to stop me. Family tried to stop me. This person gave me more than enough reasons to go, but I didn't. That's on me. I did that. I have a driver's license. I had a car. I have money. I had means, but I chose not to go. That's on me. And it did take me, I want to say over 10 years and a lot of 
Ho'oponopono <laughs> to get over that, but a lot of deep, deep, um, deep release. But, but to give another perspective to this, every single day we are creating our future. Every single day with our choices, we're creating our future. The things that we say, the things that we don't say, the actions we take, the actions that we don't take. Different actions create different results. Sometimes we're so deep in the groove of a habit that yeah, it's hard to get out of that. It's a very deep groove. Sometimes we have to like claw and climb and pull ourselves out, but it starts with imagining what else could be possible. A person who has a life like blank, like whatever your vision goal life is, what does that person do? How does that person react in a situation like this? How does that person hold these conversations? How does that person manage their time? What is that person's standards? Okay, and then how does that line up with my standards, my actions, my choices, how I'm managing my time? Do they overlap or do they not overlap? So that's responsibility. We're responsible to make any of the moves that we can make. Micro moves add up to huge changes over time. But we have to stop blaming other people. And I'm not in any way saying that stuff is easy. So uh, for, for all the listeners who don't know me, I have had cancer, I had thyroid cancer, I started my business in the hospital going through <laughs> radiation therapy for thyroid cancer, uh, thyroid sur surgery the night before the surgeries uh, when I signed my first client actually, who's still in my world, she's amazing. Um, I wouldn't have been able to move like that if I hadn't gotten over my own stories that I'm a victim, that life is so hard. I've been an expat living in Germany for 11 years or so. I've had three miscarriages. I have one child, raising a child in a foreign language, no family, no friends. Um, I've had lots of accidents. I've had lots of surgeries. I think like probably I manifested them. I probably wanted to be a victim for a bit to be cared for and to be babied because I was so exhausted all the time. But I've had lots of, I've had lots of surgeries. I had to learn how to walk again. I had to rebuild my muscle mass. Like I've been through the ringer with my body. I've, I've had to face, um, will I be able to talk or not? Because if I, like, they could have severed my vocal cords um, or I could have died. It could, it was 50-50, it could have been fatal. I have a daughter. How do I tell my daughter I'm gonna die, you know? Like, um, yeah, I, I had to face if I won't be able to walk anymore, if I'm gonna be able to wear high heels. You know that I love the high heels. I like, <laughs> so there, there are so many things where every piece of my superficial identity crumbled in like every single way since moving here. I thought, you know, having no social life, no money, no income, no friends, couldn't communicate because I couldn't speak the language at all. And we lived in a place where nobody spoke English, totally isolated. My husband works 15, 16 hours a day and nothing <laughs> like every piece of my identity that I thought made me who I am dissolved, taken away. So then that brought me to that beautiful moment of humility where I'm like, well, who am I? Who am I in the dark? And this is what I would ask anybody. Who are you in the dark with your eyes closed before you wake up in the morning, before you fall asleep at night? Who are you then? And even just to work on the practice, I am not my body. I am not my bank account. I am not my friend group. I am not my family. I am not my social media. <laughs> I, am not, I am not my past. I'm not the projections of the future. How big is your soul? What, like, what, what's the size of your soul? That's what you are. You're a soul having this human experience. And so that's kind of like this black hole supernova moment where you're everything and you're nothing all at once. And, and I, I think that's the essence.
Yeah. And I think that's the essence of surrender. Totally. And you have walked so many, like you've walked really physically through like you, like the, like, it's like, we can have, so, I'm just, I'm kind of laughing because I'm like, there are so many different ways that, that God, the universe, the divine can like get us to surrender. And yours has been physical. My mom's was physical as well. Mine has been emotional. Mm-hmm. And it it's, it's, I've been through many emotional dark nights of the soul. You've been through physical, like when you, that's, it's like when that's taken away from you, it like forces you to surrender. And this is something that I've been really thinking about a lot lately is like, and it's something I saw in New York. It's like, unless we have something terrible happen, we don't catalyze change. Right. And it is those micro movements. It's that's why I work with the nervous system in a way that titrates your window titrates, right. You move within your window of tolerance, but when we are comfortable and I'm using air quotes for those who are just listening, we will stay in misery and in suffering. And I want people to realize you don't have to have a dark night of the soul to change. You don't have to have everything taken away. Like it's in in both Krista and my example, I think there have been immense moments where we're like, I have no other choice. I have to do something different. And I want people to not feel like they need to do that. Right. Like change now, like change now, like start small. And change from joy. Like that's, that's another beautiful thing as well. Like change can just happen from joy. Change can just be like, I'm, I know I can hold more. I know I can do more. I'm, I'm excited to try. I'm curious what will happen. How exciting. Um, and, and so yeah, transformation from joy is absolutely possible. It doesn't have to be from, you know, Mercury retrograde and all the planets are in Gatorade and everything just gets taken away. And like this, this year has been a big year with the nodes shifting and it's been, a, it's been a tremendous year for radical change, um, but there's also always space for radical miracles. And, and I just, I have to speak to the feelings that you have with your dad that touches me so much because I, I have had a troubled relationship with my dad my whole life. Well, not my whole life, but a lot of it. And um, we didn't speak for a couple of years because I, I teach a lot on boundaries and I integrity is very important to me. And then I knew that my inner child, like little Krista needs boundaries on this and I'm going to figure it out and I'm going to trust that it gets figured out. But I know right now that my nervous system is crying to be protected and nobody can do it for me. So I have to take responsibility and be the big bad bitch and do it. And I did it. Loving boundaries. But we we had a beautiful reunion this last year and I had so many reasons to be nervous, although there were so many signals and so many indications that it was absolutely meant to be the right place the right time perfect opportunity it all made sense but i was so defiant inside i'm like no <laughs> i said that no i make the rules around here it's like really rigid and actually healthy boundaries should not be that rigid right if you know when you know you're safe yep they're malleable if you know <laughs> you're safe, valuable they're not when they're rigid they're a defense mechanism exactly so i had to check that and then I went into a heavenly what if state. I'm like, well, what if I could have everything that I wanted? What if it was perfect? And what if, okay. And, and for intellectual people, for academic people, there's going to be a great big voice. that's like bullshit, like, haha, bullshit. (laughs) So we have to build a bridge over the bullshit. We have to build a bridge over the bullshit. Um, so be willing to accept that there are so many moving pieces 
that it is beyond your capability to possibly know. This is humility. It's also surrender. There are so many moving pieces. You have no idea who could be interacting with who, who says what, walking through an airport, they overhear a conversation and then the song plays on the radio and then they see that angel number. And then, you know what, you're at the same coffee shop, what? You never know. So I'm willing to believe that heaven can move certain pieces in my favor for the highest best good of this situation. I'm willing to believe that can be possible. That's a bridge over the bullshit. So then we did have a beautiful reunion. It was exactly the way that my heavenly miracle desire would go. And I'll tell you what, having this father wound, it is like, so I had dinner with my godmother that night after I saw my dad, this beautiful, amazing reunion. He didn't cry, I didn't cry, nobody was triggered, just genuine, amazing conversation, legit, fantastic, couldn't, 10 stars, 10 out of 10, all thumbs up, it was amazing. I saw my godmother for dinner that night and she's like, honey bunny, you're glowing. You look so good. <laughs> and I'm like, well, and I told her and she was so proud of me. But I'll tell you what, this wound being gone, it's like if I had a broken tooth my whole life mm -hmm. and I keep looking for it with my tongue and I keep expecting it to be there. And when I eat my food, I oh, I better chew on this side. And like, oh, I can't order that because it's going to hurt that tooth. Ugh. So I live my whole life with this expectation of this pain. Now this pain is gone. I'm 39 years old, now this pain is gone. And now it's like I'm relearning what life is like without this wound. It's possible. Yep. So of course, without knowing deeper details about the situation, there is a heavenly, miraculous timeline where you get to have everything that you want. And it's not even your job to know how that happens. Yeah, it's been, and this one with my dad's been a big one because I haven't seen him since I was two. We've reconnected like multiple times through social media, but like, it just hasn't ever felt like this, like, oh, I want to know this person. It feels mm -hmm. like this is something for me to heal. And it's been in layers. It's been in layers. And it's like, as I am getting deeper and deeper into the layers, I realized it's this, and it was reflected back to me, like you have a rebellion against the masculine. And I was like, oh, I didn't even realize that it was reflected back to me by a mentor. And as I have worked with this and it's starting to dissolve, I can see it. And I'm creating that inner masculine. I'm also bringing in um, an internalized father figure to mm. re little Yaro, because what I've done is I've reparented her, but through bringing in an inter like a father figure who is actually, <laughs> he is an angel of mine who passed away last January. And I, yeah. I can just feel him and his presence. And oh, that'll mm -hmm. be like, he, he's the father figure for her. And I can feel that. And like, that connection is so deep and so profound. And it's like, that healing, I have to be willing for that though. Right. And I wrote a post about this the other day. I said, I can hold on to the fact that my father hasn't seen me since I was two. Like that is atrocious behavior, like absolutely atrocious behavior. But if I hold on to that, I stay a victim. I'm not responsible for my life and I don't get to create my life. I have to be the one to be like, I can heal this. I absolutely can heal this. And I have to be willing to see all of the sneaky and subtle ways that this shows up in my life. And so often we stay stuck because we don't want to look at the pain and the shame that we have around these wounds. Well, and I mean, as you know, these wounds give us something. Yep. So without the father wound, and I'm sure you'll, you'll talk about this in your upcoming program masterclass, but like, I wouldn't be such a bad bitch if it wasn't for the father wounds. Cause I had to protect my own damn self. 
I had to I had to grow spikes and claws. I had to learn how to take care of myself. I had to learn how to clap back. I had to learn how to make money. I had to learn how to, you know, walk tall through dark streets that I never expected anybody to take care of me. And my 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 husband now, like even now, we've been married, we've been together for like almost 13 years, but even now he still is like, sweetie, I've got you. Like it's okay for you to be sick. Like I can take care of you. <laughs> and I'm just like, so the surrender, I'll tell you what, I did one time, one time, I did one time decide to do an experiment. I'm like, okay, what if, because the wounds give us gifts, there's gifts in the wounds. And sometimes we don't want to get rid of the wound because then we don't want to get rid of the gift. So I just did this little experiment one time. I'm like, okay, if I knew that I was fully safe, fully taken care of, fully protected, unconditionally loved, yada, yada, what would change in my life? I'll tell you what changed. I slept in longer. I did make a little bit less money that month. I did gain weight because <laughs> I was like, whatever. Like, I don't need to have abs. Like, I'm good. And so I did, but, I'll t but what this is, it was a relaxing of the feminine. And I had some like chronic sore throat that hadn't gone away for six months. That went away. Like I rested, I healed, I created the most beautiful things. My feminine finally was like, oh, like we're in the flow state, like we're actually okay. And then I could check myself afterwards. I'm like, yeah, but I have a lot of fun in that masculine. Like I have a lot of fun in that like goddess warrior energy. So it's fun. So I'm like, okay, I get to keep that gift, but I now know that I have this totally safe, beautiful, like lily pad garden that I can just like flounce around in and just be like a totally protected, taken care of feminine being if I want to, which I didn't know. Yeah. And, and it's, that's, it's so beautiful. It's funny. Cause you said, you know, what would you, what was the gift in not having your dad? So I have a very powerful mom who has a lot of masculine traits. So I, in a lot of ways was super enmeshed with her and didn't realize it for a very long time. And mm. I've had to like really individuate from my mom so that I actually stand in who I am and what I want to create and like really embody my own power and like not seek validation or approval mm -hmm. from. Mm -hmm. I feel like the gift of this, you know, not seeing my dad since I was two is that I can help people really heal their attachment wounds because our nervous systems are wired through our attachment relationships. And so often people do somatic healing or they, you know, they do all these embodiment practices. And, and it's like, if you don't heal your attachment wounds, you're going to stay stuck forever. And it's going to be unconscious because you're going to continually seek approval, belonging, and validation from the people you didn't get approval, belonging, and validation from. And until you actually learn to stand on your own and you're sovereign in your power. So like your and my defense mechanisms were different. Yours was high independence overworking like I got this mine was like I will hold on till I'm gonna you know like I need a validation from everyone and I have had to learn to like let go of that and to fully stand in my power and let it be my way and not seek that validation from literally anyone and it's so interesting how like we both have trauma with so and we also both moved a lot like I moved 35 times when I was a child over 35 times. I was in a different school every six months. Like it was like, I had no consistency. I had no sense of like, what is home? What is stability? I never unpacked anything. I still to this day struggle to unpack. It's like this whole thing that I have around home. 
And I couldn't, uh, I just, I like hid, I contracted like the embodiment I have experienced since I graduated grad school and really realized that my nervous system needed to be rewired and to feel safe to really be seen in my full magnetism. Cause I was also bullied all the time. And like, this is me. I am here. I am showing up just like, and I want everyone else to feel that way too, but people would get really uncomfortable with it. They would contract, they would shut down. I grew up in the woods. I like literally was like, I'm a fairy in the woods. I, (laughs) I'm like, and then when I went into society, it was like, oh, people don't live this free. And so I, my, my whole want is for people to feel free, to feel able to take responsibility for those wounds, to not be in victimhood around them. Yeah. Sometimes things happen but have you listened to carolyn mace's sacred contracts Mm-mm. oh so carolyn mace has this book called sacred contracts and you reference them um before we started recording actually which we could dive into like she has a book called sacred contracts oh, and I call it soul contracts that's what i said you said soul contracts that's right so she yeah. has one, contracts which is the same thing which is so cool and it's like we are all meant to learn and grow from each other. And the relationships I have had, it's so funny because a lot of them would look like toxic on the outside, but the ways that I have transformed within those relationships is profound. And it has allowed me to actually pull back and look at the ways that I was attaching on, the ways that I was holding on, the ways I didn't have standards, the ways I didn't have boundaries. Like we have to feel to even believe we can have standards. We live in this world where people think they just get to accept whatever people give them. And it's like, no, you actually get to decide this. And we don't realize that. We don't realize like, oh, I can actually state that I need, these are my needs. These are my wants. These are my desires. And when we don't do that, we won't receive them, but we don't even feel safe to do that because we weren't safe to do that as children. And like, I can look at my childhood and I can I can see the gift in the fact that I grew up in the middle of nowhere, like in nothing and grew up off the grid. I grew up in nature and I also grew up without a father. And my mom was very like, she was so safe and so grounded, but like things were chaotic and honestly not safe. A lot of the times I grew up in a pot growing world. Like it was like a drug culture, like not it literally actually wasn't safe, but like if I could yeah. see I knew that I was safe. Like, oh, my mom's there. I'm safe. Like, I just fully innately trusted her. So learning to create safety within myself has been a long journey and learning to feel safe to be in the world. Because when I stepped into society, like I threw raves in college, I lived in all these countercultures. I lived in a pot growing world. I threw raves in college. Like, that's how I made money. I was like a young entrepreneur. I was like 19. And I was like... I want to do this too. And I borrowed 10 grand from my boyfriend's mom to throw my first rave at 19 years old. Like who does that? Oh my gosh, I love it. What I'm going to do. And then I went into society after I graduated college and it was like traumatizing. It was like, everyone's miserable. Everyone's stuck. Everyone's terrified. And no one cares about the soul. No one cares about their heart. Like it was like, I spent 20 years like being like, where do I even, how do I even click in here? And then COVID happened. Um, when we got shut down, it was like, I was set free because I found the online coaching world. And I was like, Oh wait, I can do this. This is like my own. Yeah. I can make my own tribe. Yeah. Wow. So, I mean, I, I can relate to like the growing up in chaos as well. And I used to have a lot of attachment. Um, we moved like every year, every two years. So, um, and then like split parent family moved around a lot. Um, and then that habit stayed with me. So I moved a lot as an adult and then I moved overseas here and then we've moved a few times since we've been here. So I think my number is around like 35, but throughout my whole life, not just in childhood, throughout my whole life. But I, I remember that I had a huge attachment to things 
to like physical possessions that and it makes sense is like wherever I would go I'm like okay if I have my blanket and if I have this lamp and if I have this so you, you've maybe seen it in my Instagram but I have a ceramic zebra head I have this huge art piece the ceramic zebra head I got it in Vancouver when I traveled for the first time after breaking up with that toxic person and it was the first time I traveled alone I remember I was reading Catcher in the Rye at the airport just with a carry-on and it was the most peace that I had felt in like since before I was with that person like it was just I was like I'm alone and everything is fine but I bought this zebra head and I had to carry it on back home so that was really fun going through security with a giant ceramic zebra head um, I'm like I promise it's not drugs it's just a zebra head <laughs> back and forth through the scanner um but I remember saying to myself wherever the zebra head is I am home and every time I had to move flats every time that I moved the zebra head is there and once it would get hung up I'm like I'm okay I'm okay. And so I hung on to that for a while. So that was like, I can lose friends, I can lose family, I can lose, sit, lose cities, I can lose places. But as long as I have my stuff and my body, I'll be okay. And then over here in Germany, lost a lot of stuff. My shipping container got lost, a huge scandal got lost on the way over here to Canada. So lost stuff. And then uh, a bunch of injuries with my body and things like that. So I remember going into the hospital when I would have different situations, different surgeries and illnesses, injuries happening. And then I still had this fixation on stuff. And I was like, well, if I don't have my special pillow or if I don't have my something. So it's still like I was putting my security outside of myself in these things. And I had already kind of like lost so much. But I remember what was the biggest game changer for me. And this is the best. And I teach this to my clients too. I mean, it's not, it's, not necessarily profound, but for anybody who needs a reminder, here it is coming in hot and fast. Um, root chakra work, but root chakra work that's like, I am grounded, I am connected to this earth, literally imagining roots growing out of you down into the center of the earth. And then this vision is like, you're a mountain and the winds can blow and the rain can storm and people can dig tunnels, they can excavate, but the base of that mountain isn't going anywhere and your right to be here, your right to take up space, your right to be secure and stable is simply a fact. And then your security comes from, like not even from within yourself, it just comes because it is. It's just simply the way that it is. So root chakra work is really powerful for this. And then if a person is displaced a lot, like if, if you're going to different places, um, and if you ever feel a little bit out of control and you wish like, oh, like you're having this anxious attachment for something that you don't have, this practice where you kind of do this root practice, but in meditation, in the visualization, imagine your nervous system growing into the floor and into the walls of the space around you. So you're imagining that like there is an energetic cleanse, you're energetically marking your territory, you're energetically cleansing it, you're claiming it. So when I'm when I move to a place like where hospital rooms that I've been in or like Airbnbs that I've been in, hotels when I've stayed somewhere for a long time, I do I do this practice and I'm like this is my space, I belong here, this is charged with my energy and I am complete in this space. And everything good happens to me in the space and this space has everything that I need. And it's just like it's very pure and it's just very certain. And I think that certainty it, it could be another word for faith. It's trust, it's certainty, it's confidence. But it's like, for example, like when I wake up in the morning, I know my eyes are green. I don't have to think about it. 
I don't have to be like, gosh, I hope when I wake up, I still have green eyes. I hope it's there. There's no doubt. I know that my eyes are green, but it's neutral. I don't really care. It's cool. I like them, but you know, like I don't think about, it. I'm not like, oh man, if I ever lost my green eyes, I just don't know what I would do. I'm not hanging on. <laughs> do you know what I mean? So if we, if you can think of something that's absolutely neutral, almost something that you like take for granted, it's like, duh, like, of course I can do that. Then try to apply that same feeling to money, to clients, to relationships. It's like, I assume that it's there in the best way. I literally feel nothing about it because it just is what it is. It's just there. Does that make sense? Yeah. And I think it's feeling safe to have that certainty about the things that we actually desire because people just, they just, they think like there are so many defenses around it or they need the external approval. And this has been a big one for me is to like, I go first, right? Like, because my defense mechanism was to seek validation. It was like, I move first. I go first. I trust first. I make the moves. And then everybody, you know, magnet, right? Because it's so like, it's so like, I love that visual, by the way, of like your nervous system taking up that space. And it's allowing, it's allowing yourself to grow up is what I experience a lot with clients. Like we are stuck in this state of like being children because we aren't initiated. We aren't taught how to be women or men, or we're not taught how to be these sovereign, powerful embodied beings. And I love that idea of certainty around like, I am certain that I will wake up and, you know, I will have blonde hair. I will have these bangs. Like creating, it's like creating that neutrality in larger things. And then it's creating that belief that you can take those titrated, small, like you said earlier, micro movements, and you can expand on that. And that's how you create your life. You don't go from here I am right now to like, I have multi seven figures in the bank. Like you go from like, what action can I take today? How can I surrender and be present right now? What can I do today? And then how can I main, maintain consistency mm-hmm. and do feel safe to show up in that? And that's like another area where I work with my clients a lot is feeling safe to be seen because people don't feel safe to be seen. They don't feel safe oh, to yeah. be them. They don't feel safe to be seen as intimate. I mean, even like sharing that shame I have around my dad on this podcast is something I never would have even done a year ago. Like, it's like, yeah. like, Oh, this is big. And this is something that I need to talk about. This is something I need to unearth. And like, I've done so much healing around this father wound, like immense amounts of healing and there are just new layers that I'm peeling back that are becoming aware for me and for me to see so that I can shift it so that I can expand so that I can hold more so that I can have that masculine so that I can call in the partnership that I have claimed to the universe like those areas of me that need to like be I don't restructured I guess like you know I don't want to say there's nothing wrong it's not I'm broken it's not that it's like there are parts of me that need to be Mm. It's like reimagining, imagining brought into wholeness, right? Like it's like yeah. there are these parts of all of us that we have, we're probably unconscious to most of them. And when they become conscious, people often make it mean something about them instead of being like, oh, cool, this is exciting. I actually can use this and I can shift with this and I can allow this to inform my next moves. Mm-hmm. I the story on my podcast last week, but I'm going to share it again because it's alive. I dated this man when I was really young, like in my early twenties. And he basically had like a harem of women and I was very young and wanted to be free. I have had huge commitment things my whole life. Like freedom is my, like, I need to feel free. That is like it for me. Like if I don't feel free. Nope. Not just hard. No. And so it was like this fun, exciting kind of a thing. And 
he looked at me and he was like, you know, you're really powerful and independent when you're not with someone, but when you are with someone, you really attach on and you get anxious. Mm. And a lot of people would have been like, he's an asshole. He's a sociopath, like whatever, how dare he? And I was like, huh, that's true. Let me work on that. And mm-hmm. like it's being able to hear things about yourself, even if it's not coming from like, cause he was trying to be manipulative. I used to call him um, Charles Manson without the murder. That was like my favorite. Charming. <laughs> he was like this big DJ and like, but I learned a lot through the relationship. Like there was so much I learned about myself sexually and intimately and like ex- exploration and open-mindedness and like being able to take things that may seem like they're meant to be hurtful and be like, okay, well, what's actually happening for me here? That this is what, mm-hmm. sh- and how do I shift this? How mm-hmm. do I, do this? how do I grow with this? And then how do I then take that? And this has been newer for me and hold a different standard. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Like that, that is amazing that you were able to just let that be a mirror for you and to see, and, and like, it's, it's always, it's always context. So like love with friends, love with family, um, feeling safety in these things. And then where's the one that's a little wonky? Like, where do the wheels go off the cart a little bit? And then it's kind of like, okay, well, if I have this standard in these places, like this is the standard for with my best friends, how they get to talk to me and treat me, how we treat each other. This is how my family, and this is even with clients, but like hmm, in romantic relationships, the standard's different. Why? Okay, let me be curious. Let me see why. Do we dare to ask the question, what's going on, right? So it's, there's a lot of bravery there and that's, and, and that's responsibility as well. But like in the concept of being willing to lose everything. So I had, um, I definitely identify as a bombshell and I'm happy for me, that's great. Um, I, I absolutely, uh, absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> thanks. Um, but there was a lot of anxiety related to that. So I was bullied a lot as a kid too. And I, in my opinion, my mom would disagree, but I don't think that I turned like pretty. I was like late bloomer. That's me. So I didn't see myself that way, whatever. So I did have a lot of anxious attachment or anxiety, self-worth around my appearance. Like, oh, and I mean, there's plenty of friggin' good reason why too, because I would hear things when I was growing up, I would hear things like, oh, well, you'll never have to worry about Krista because she'll just have a rich husband who takes care of her. Like, oh, you'll never have to worry about Krista because she's so pretty, she'll just get money for no reason. And it couldn't be more opposite. Like I've worked so fucking hard and I continue to work so fucking hard and I always will because I love what I do. But it was just never, like it was never handed to me like that. But I definitely know that it was a crutch for me where I'm like, oh, well, at least I'm pretty. And then I have value, then I have worth. So like when I moved over here to Germany, my, my wonderful, lovely husband, amazing man, um, such a gentleman, can't say enough good things about him, wonderful person, projector three, five, <laughs> like yourself. Um, but I remember feeling like some of my currency was the way that I looked. It's like, oh, well, at least I'm a pretty wife at least I'm bad. I can't speak German and I don't have any friends and I don't make any money and I can't fucking do anything. And I'm depressed all the time. And I have anxiety and I'm having like whatever panic attacks constantly. So it was really hard the first year that we lived here. Um, but at least I'm pretty. And, and it was so funny, but then the interesting thing, um, one of the accidents that I have, um, that I had, uh, exploded my knee in a terrible accident, really bad. 
In German, it's called komplett gerissen. So it was completely ripped inside. So it was like, like that, like a rubber chicken. Um, no broken bones. Weirdly, I've never broken a bone. A lot of accidents, no broken bones. But I was hospitalized for a long time, big repair surgery, lost a lot of muscle mass. I was as skinny as a spider. Like I remember I, put, I went to go, I went into the hospital in winter and when I was able to walk again, it was warm. It was like summer. <laughs> so I went to put on uh, shorts to go to a barbecue with my crutches and the shorts fell off my body. And they were like my hot little Daisy Dukes that would show off my butt and my nice legs. And they literally fell off my body. I was so skinny. And I, I was like limping and it took a lot of physiotherapy to be able to walk well again. But I remember, and there was another uh, injury situation that I've had. I won't go into a lot of detail, but I, I was, there was a concern I could have lost my breasts. And I was like, wow. So could have lost my breasts, could have lost my leg, could have lost my voice. Now you tell me what's a Krista, what's a bombshell Krista without this voice to talk all the talk that I speak. <laughs> I'm a talker. I'm a manifesting generator. <laughs> I gotta talk, right? What's a bombshell without her boobs? What's a, what's a bombshell without her legs that I couldn't walk, right? And so, and I, and I, mem I literally remember being in an MRI or like CT scan in that machine where you have to lay down there for however long, half an hour and the thing's like a centimeter away from your nose and you're just in this machine scanning you for like 45 minutes. Totally fine for me. I would meditate in there. I would connect with my highest self. I would fall asleep. I would nap. But I remember literally like saying to myself in, in this moment where I could have totally freaked out and then try to control the situation, panic. Um, I remember literally asking, my, uh, asking the question, who are you really? And I would ask myself that question over and over again. Who are you really? And then I'd be like, well, I'm a mother and I'm a wife and I'm, I'm an entrepreneur and I'm a foreigner. Uh, I'm Canadian, but I live in Germany. I'm an expat. I am a daughter-in-law. I am a sister. I am well, like I like uh, come up with all these things, and then after every single one of these things, I'd be like, "No, you're not. What are you? No, you're not. What are you? What are you?" And then in this, so I know this is kind of far out, but I know we can talk like this, and it's cool. So in one of these, I had to have all these scams, um, so often. And then when I was doing this practice, just out of curiosity, keep myself busy, I saw myself turn into nothing but blue light. And then it was like, you're nothing, but you're everything, but you're nothing. And your purpose in this human vehicle is to love no matter what. It's to see everything and to feel everything and to love no matter what. And I just remember, like, I came out of that scan just like glowing and smiling and happy. And people normally are very nervous. And I mean, you can imagine being in a German hospital, nuclear medicine department. It's not a very cheerful place, you wouldn't think. So having me like walking around smiling and talking to everybody in my shitty German, like they, it was, it was like sunshine. Like I felt like human sunshine and it made such an impression, but I just, I suddenly had such a sense of humor and I was just like, nothing really matters. <laughs> kind of like that, like Freddie Mercury, like that Queen song, nothing really matters. Like, but in a good way, like not in a macabre way, but I'm like, it's not that serious. But it's like, what, what are you really? Like, you're actually nothing. Like you're everything, but you're nothing. Your only purpose is just love. And then it was like, I'm not my body. I'm not this, I'm not that, I'm not this, but I'm free. And then that was a feeling I'm like, oh, I hope this feeling lasts. And, and being a human, living the human experience, of course, 
it, it comes and goes, so it's a practice. But that was something like that, that changed me forever. Talk about surrender. Yeah, and that was, I mean, that's like a whole, you had, you went through a whole, <laughs> whole <laughs> thing. It's like imagining you in the MRI machine. And I had that same experience. That was my experience on the dance floor of a rave. And it was like, oh, I'm everything. Yeah. And everything's connected. But then, you know, at 19, I couldn't hold that. And I walked into the world. I'm like, how, like you said, being a human, right? And then it's our, the path to learning detachment and real detachment, not not disconnected, not avoidance, not yeah. detachment is actually the ability to feel deeply and move to the next emotion, to be in deep grief and pain and cry and then move through it and then be in bliss and joy and expansion. Yeah. Yeah. Detachment is not, oh, I'm a whole, I'm like avoiding or I won't have relationships. There's yeah. that spiritual bypassing. And there's this uh, psychotherapist and Buddhist, John Wellwood, and he coined the term spiritual bypassing in 1980. Hmm. And he would talk about how in his Buddhist communities, they would avoid intimate relationships because what comes out in our intimate relationships? Oh, all of our shit. It's all like, here it is. You yes. thought, yeah, let me show <laughs> Yes, so true. Absolutely. <laughs> he was like you're not it, they became attached to non-attachment and in mm -hmm. the work that i do with people it is really helping you become fully detached because yeah. we, like you said you attach to the zebra head we attach to people we attach to ideas we attach to beliefs and then we cannot surrender we cannot trust we cannot go to the question it is all happening mm -hmm. because we're so attached to everything around us and you know the interesting thing that like that that's such incredible work that you do and it's so important because abundance is detachment abundance is circulation and i i've been thinking about like it's christmas right like it's it's the holiday times however people refer to it uh we were talking about christmas a uh, german christmas before we started recording but it's a time like and what's going on in the world we're thinking about generosity we're thinking about others you know we're gifting things to people like abundance attracts more abundance and if you're not attached then you give freely and now this is a heart chakra thing as well yep. so giving freely and then giving with love and then knowing i get to receive i get to receive gratitude recognition i get to be paid well i get to be compensated i get to receive support i get to be helped I get to have the door held for me. I get to have dinner bought for me. That person bought me a coffee. Isn't that nice? I received a present in the mail. I get to receive. I feel gratitude. I give. I receive. I feel gratitude. It's a loop. At, if at any point it's closed off, like, oh, I don't want to receive. No, I'm not worthy of receiving. No, no, that's so much trouble. No, no, I'll discount my rates. No, no, I'll make it easier for you. No, 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 I, I can't. I can't. No, please. Me? Oh, I can't accept. No. But then it shuts down the loop. And then if we're so tight fisted, no, I'm super attached to the way that I'm doing it. I'm super attached to my schedule. I'm super attached to my relationships. I'm super attached to my money. So I'm not going to circulate it. Then we're holding on to everything so tight. And then we're blocking that flow of expansion and circulation for us. So it's actually total detachment. Absolutely. And here's the thing that people, they, where in one place they fuck this up all the time is that they give and they expect that person to give back to them. That's not how it works. You no. give and you will receive, but it may not be from the person you think or you should. And again, with the air quotes, you think you should 
from. It is, I give with an open heart. I love with an open heart. I am able, and if we have resentment, if we have places where we need to forgive, that work comes for us. If we're bitter, if we're frustrated, if we have expectation, that expectation, especially I found out for projectors, that subtle expectation we carry, which has been like a big, like aha moment for me. Expectation, you're no longer in the flow of abundance. If you have a place where you need to forgive, you're no longer in the flow of abundance. It's like you said at the er, earlier, forgiveness is about yourself. And that was what came, you know, like as I've been forgiving my dad and I thought I had, there were more layers of it. And it was like, oh, I need to forgive him because it's blocking me. It's blocking my abundance. It's a blocking my abundance that I am still holding on to this. And I could feel it in this left side of my body because that's where that wound is. And I was like, oh, I'm holding on to this there. I'm holding on to the pain of having not felt chosen by my father. Cause that's what the, that's what the perception is. That's, yeah. that's the one. And that's the one that's played out in my life. And so the more I choose me, the more I forgive him, the more I'm in the abundance and I have no expectation around where or who I'm going to receive from, because when we have expectation, we're actually blocking that abundance and it's, you can give freely to someone. And here's the thing that's also tricky are you giving with an open heart or are you giving with expectation? Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. Is it from overflow or what? Mm-hmm. Yeah. It, it has to be from overflow and, and, uh, the yes and the no signals. So human design, um, for, for generators, manifesting generators, the enemy is the should, the enemy is the word should, like you should do this. You're supposed to do this. Like for a manifesting generator, um, to fit inside a box to like do it the way other people do it. You have to focus on this, like, naturally we're so multifaceted that we really need a lot of freedom to be able to be that um, beautiful chaos and and it all comes together. But the should, and then this is obligation. So I should do this for this person. I should do it. I have so much energy. I'm a manifesting generator. I have so much energy. I should do it. But then it like weighs you down. You get weighed down by the shoulds and then you're frustrated and then you're not giving from overflow. You're giving with bitchiness. And then bitchiness begets bitchiness, unfortunately. (laughs) So I'm loving this conversation so much. Are there any things you would love to share with us around surrender, trust, patience, protection? Hmm. So many things. So when it comes to protection, we all have free will. So we've touched on that a bit today you have free will. So for those who are looking to surrender, for those who are feeling called out by this conversation, remember always that you have free will. So if you're wanting to surrender more, you can simply ask, show me how I can des- how I can deepen my surrender and help me do it gently. Let me gently surrender. And then like, it's not like taking a flower and ripping it apart. Like let the petals open softly, let the petals bloom naturally. Let me open gently. And and this is a desire and a prayer that you can have. And on trusting, I think that trust comes down so much to humility of how much do you actually know? And how much like the wisest man knows that he's a fool and the smartest people know that they always have more to learn. So being aware of cognitive bias that we all tend to go to the negative and assume the worst practice imagining the best just practice imagining the best and being like i'm humble again this is a bridge over the bullshit for all of the academics listening to this that 
Be willing to accept that you can't possibly know all the pieces and then trust that there is a way that all of the pieces land in your favor. And then I would say, be willing, be willing for the evolution. So like when it comes to wealth and success, like I'm a success mentor, when it comes to wealth, it's a fine concept to talk about, but then what are the seven figure conversations that you have to have? What are the seven figure responsibilities that you have, right? So if you want to hold the joy of a thing, you have to be willing to hold both, right? So like there's a balance. So like be willing to hold both and be willing to be as neutral as possible about this. And the faster that you can come into neutrality, the faster you're going to be into that state of overflow, surrender, and just knowing that you're fine no matter what. And if you will, <laughs> I know that I'm kind of ranting, but like if you want proof that you're fine no matter what, anybody who's listening to this, think of the craziest shit that you've been through. Like Yaro, I know you've got stories. I know that you've got stories and so do I. <laughs> like I know we could we could go on and on. But think of the craziest shit that you've been through and you're still here. You are still here. And that shit turned into gold if you let it. Or if you're still holding on to it out of some victimhood place, you really need to sit with that and address that because you're missing out on the gold. That shit is where the gold is. The levels of betrayal I experienced even the last three years from people I thought were friends are like mind blowing. As I grew, as I expanded and people got threatened, they got jealous or they just didn't want to face their own shit. So they couldn't be around me anymore. That's like a big thing in my life. Like I've had many friends say to me, I had to hide from you for six months because I didn't want to face my own truth. And I knew that I couldn't even look at you without facing the truth. And that is my superpower, especially in my job. And as you know, a leader, as a mentor, as a healer, mm. auto is fun in my personal life because a lot of people don't want to face their shit. Well, and then, and then you could sometimes associate success with loneliness or you right. could associate authenticity with loneliness. And then it's like, okay, the standard is I'm available for relationships, professional and friendship relationships for people who really see me, who are great communicators and who are super responsible for their own stuff, like their yeah. own feelings. And that's like, that's, that's the standard because the, their, their emotions are none of your business. Like, a projector is a gift to have a projector in your life is a gift because nobody is going to see things the way that they see them. Like I can ask my husband just out of the blue and he gets the splenic response. I'm like, sweetie, like this, like, what do you think? Do it like this, do it like that. What do you think? And he'll just be like, mm, da, 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 da. and he does not miss. So I have to humble myself. Projectors are a blessing. So you have to, like for yourself, the friendships, they, they just have to have the emotional intelligence to be able to handle that. And yeah, and that's, that's what I've had to learn over these last few years. And it's been, you know, that has been really a huge lesson for me where, where I shrunk, where I got small, where I sought validation, where I didn't just let myself be the full visionary, the full guy that I actually am as a projector, as a splenic projector. That's like, yes, no, like so quick, right? Like you said, it's like, we see all the things we are a gift. And if you're not ready for it, I'm not for you. And that's okay. Like there's okay. nothing wrong with me. There's nothing wrong with you. It's just, you're not ready for it. Well, and then like, and then your discernment. So any, any projectors who are listening to this, like your energy is a precious finite resource. So the beauty of the invitation is that people who don't have their ears open for that knowledge to take root, they're not available. They're not inviting you. 
So it's a waste of your energy to throw your resource at that person who hasn't invited because it's like the door is closed. Like you're trying to get something through the door, but the door is closed. So why did you just waste your throwing arm energy? Like save your precious energy, right? Wait for the open door. And then when it does land, that person's never going to forget you. And, the, and this is what I've seen with projectors over the years as well. They talk about you when you're not even in the room. And people are like, oh my gosh, have you heard about Yarrow? Like you have to work with it. Like, have you seen? Did you listen? Da, da, da. Like the, the energy does the talking for you. And that's the power of planting the seeds with the right people when the invitation is there. Totally. And it's been such a beautiful gift for me to learn that about myself because I didn't know, you know, and I just was like, I want to like, I want to share what I see. And people were like, fuck off. (laughs) (laughs) Oh my gosh. I so get it. I so get it. Like finding out that I was a projector and that I need to like hold back and like be invited in even energetically has been one of the most profound gifts of my life because it's just changed everything. So I'm so glad. I'm so glad. So one of the things I want to touch on is like, I love how you're like, be humble, right? And make yourself a big fucking deal all at the same time. Your humility is hand in hand with the fact that you are the most valuable thing in the world. And this is for everyone who's listening, right? And I know you do this, Krista, so beautifully, but like people can sometimes hear the word humble and they can be like, oh, I have to get small. And it's like, no, be humble and soft and open and fucking powerful and invaluable. And this is for everyone listening. Like you are you are a snowflake. You are designed specifically for what you're meant to do on this planet. And when you're hiding, when you're shrinking, when you're shutting down, when you're not allowing the process and the process, as Krista and I have explored very intricately on this episode is sometimes very painful. And the more you can surrender to that, the more you can move through it, the quicker you collapse time and get to where you actually desire to be and where your soul longs to be. When you're holding on, when you're gripping tight, when you're in your defenses, you're just delaying the process. Yeah. I I think uh, there's something, I call it alien mode. This is what I love. So humility. um, I best learned humility, I would say, when I moved here to Germany. So we, we first moved to East Germany so where, where I live now, it's in Bavaria and it's very metropolitan, yada, yada. But we lived in East Germany. Uh, they learned Russian in school, not English. So like, mm, I did not fit in. <laughs> um, beautiful place, amazing history, fascinating architecture. I did not fit in. Um, it was humbling. Um, I couldn't speak. I couldn't communicate. I had no assets. I brought nothing to the table. Um, Whereas where I came from in Canada, I was making multi six figures. I was very popular. I was a queen bee. I was very cool. And yada, you know, like I had this ego identity and it was just humbling, like to, to know nothing, like not to know the word for, like I got locked in a parkade once cause I didn't know how to get out of the parkade and like had to find with a baby, like, um, so just humble, like, um, helpless sometimes. And then just like, okay, we're starting from the bottom here. Like, I don't know anything. I'm starting from the bottom. And then realizing that curiosity is such a gift. And then just by being curious, like how many assumptions do we have? Like there are so many things that we assume. We, and our, our assumptions make up our life. Our, our assumptions become our perceptions. And, and what we have to realize too is that our assumptions are our unconscious mind making something make sense for us so that we can just continue to move. So like, oh, this person looks like that, they must be safe. 
or like that seems familiar, it must be fine. So like just unconscious, it's all under the surface. But when you humble yourself, and I call it going alien mode, you just, alien mode does two things. Okay, so you guys don't say that I'm crazy. I'm actually super fucking smart. Um, alien mode does two things. Number one, you're super curious. So you're like, I don't know anything and I'm curious to know. So like an alien, like, what is that? What does it taste like? How do you get there? How does this work? Why are you doing that? Why would you do that? What can I do now? Like you just start asking questions, but without judgment, notice the tone of my voice. It wasn't afraid. Right. And then, so the, the other beautiful thing about this is assuming that you're safe. So like, if you're an alien, then imagine that you can just go like boop, boop and like beam yourself back up to your starship or whatever. Like, so imagining that you're safe, imagining that people wish you well, imagining that you will be fully equipped for everything that comes in your path whenever it does, but therefore you can just kind of be curious. And I tell this a lot to my friends when they're traveling, if they're going to a strange place and they don't speak the language, I'm like, just go alien mode. You're super safe, be curious, taste all the things, do all the things, but trust your intuition and just assume that you're safe. So this is a beautiful point of humility. And then what this does, breaking down the barriers, you gain exponential wisdom because you, you, you do things and you ask questions that you would never ask before. Yeah. And what I hear from this is it requires us to have that internal safety because when we don't feel internally safe, we don't feel safe to get curious, right? That is so true. Okay. So the internal safety we have to feel safe internally. Otherwise, and, and that's a practice, right? Like that's, yeah. And that's, you know, like that's the nervous system rewiring to like, I am safe as I am in this moment and like not assuming the worst, not going to the negativity bias, right? It's like being able to just be soft and surrendered and safe and be like, I'm safe right now. I'm okay. Everything is okay. And I can just get curious. And it asks us to soften the defenses because otherwise we're in that survival mode. We're in that fight or flight. We're like, unable to just you know because it's like that curiosity could either show up as genuine curiosity or as hypervigilance of like trying yeah. to situation I, i've been there before so hypervigilance i used to avoid and be super paranoid or be hypervigilant and i couldn't shut down and i've seen this in girlfriends when i've had friends come over and come to oktoberfest with me which is chaos by the way um and you can imagine like as a woman right you have to be super crowded place drunk people everywhere and you have to be super on guard. And I've, I've had girlfriends who are foreign come and they like literally can't chill because they're, they're hyper, hyper vigilant. So I've, I've been there before too. What I would do, like I'm not an expert in, in the way that you are. So this is my hot take. This is what I've instinctively done to feel safe. Um, a lot of highest self protection work. Okay, so highest self connection is what I have done. This has been my, uh, my chosen way to feel safe. And this is like when we strengthen the connection with our highest self, when we strengthen the connection with the divine, it brings in this assumed safety. So when we're in the 3D, this is in the drama, this is in the human life. When we're in the 4D, this is the emotions, this is the awareness, this is the pain, this is the struggle. When we're in the 5D, we have transcended that. And it's really the vibe of assumed safety and a sense of humor. So I do a lot of highest self work and I choose to bring in the frequency of my highest self. And then I know, I'm telling you, I literally know that people experience my energy differently. And I have been in dangerous places and situations where people just are like either magnetized to me or repelled from me. 
and I know it. And it's like something in my eyes, it's something in my energy. And people are like, how did you do that? Why? Like, I'm like, I don't know. Like I choose. So for, so for me, it's very much like a divine connection. Me, it's a divine connection combined with that safety in the body, right? It's like the embodiment. And it's, it's when we have what Dr. Gabor Mate calls an aura of a lack of defense, people mm. will up on the places. Those are like our wounds, right? It's like, it's almost like a cra- It's like a, a slit in our shield in mm. our And so when you heal internally and you become internally safe and you create that embodiment and you connect to your highest self, then you actually uh, seal up the cracks in your aura. So like I always envision like this golden aura around me and it's all connected. It's like through the earth, from the highest self, like embodied through me. And then it projects out this aura and it protects you. And it really, truly works. And really does, yeah the sneaky beliefs we have. And like, you were talking about the assumptions, like if we're walking down a street or like even just listening to yourself, like I was in Chicago recently with a friend and we were walking and all of a sudden, both of us were both projectors. We were both like that. Let's not go that way. Let's go that way. And you have to listen to that. You don't want to force through that. You want to go, Oh, there's that something, some reason I don't want to go that. And there's a reason it's never. Yeah, absolutely. So All right. As we close out, Krista, this has been so amazing. I just adore you so, so much. And like, you have such immense wisdom and beauty and just grace. And I really have learned so much from this conversation and am so grateful to have you on the podcast. So anything that you want to share before we end for the moment? No, I feel so complete. I'm I'm so happy to be here with you. Um, If anybody wants to follow and catch up, I'm at femluxlife.co on Instagram and that's the main place where I hang out. That's the best place to find me. Um, and this this really has been an incredible conversation. Like from the first time that I met you, Yaro, I know that you are such a gift to humanity. You are such a gift to all of your clients. There's so much noise in the online space, but nobody says it the way that you do and nobody does it the way that you do. So like I never scroll past one of your posts. I always have to read them because <laughs> it's so it's just so on point. So thank you so much for having me. And I can't wait for our next conversation. Me neither. And Krista is just such a powerful human. I will put all of her info in the show notes. So go find her, go stalk her, go look at all of her beauty and her wisdom. And just, it has been such a gift to have you. So thank you so, so much for being on the Heal and Expand podcast. And until next time. If you love this episode and want to share it with the world, screenshot, post, and tag me on Instagram. The more you share it, the more people receive it, the more people heal, and the more people who expand. And if you want to get notified of the next episode, go ahead and subscribe so you never miss a chapter. Thank you for healing and expanding with me. Take time to come home to yourself always. And if you have questions about deepening into this work in my world, please do not hesitate to reach out. You can DM me on Instagram. You can send me an email. You can send me a carrier pigeon if you can find one. Thank you so much again for being here. And I will see you all soon, dear ones.